play. And this will give Andrew Harris the rushing title and more. The playoffs are finally here. Welcome to the semi-final postseason edition of CFL Weekly across Canada on TSN Radio. I'm Andy McNamara. You can get me on Twitter at AndyMC81, Instagram at AndyMCSports. Oh, baby, regular season done. It is go time. The Ottawa Red Blacks and Calgary Stampeders on the bye waiting to face Coming out of the East semifinals, will it be the Hamilton Tiger Cats hosting the BC Lions? And for the Stamps, will it be Winnipeg and Saskatchewan? That one. (laughs) Like, both games are going to be awesome, but that Blue Bombers-Rough Riders matchup is, that's that's primetime, baby. That's that's must-see. Both games are on TSN, of course, Sunday afternoon. Big show today. Hey, we're going to talk from both sides. To break down the East semifinal, Marshall Ferguson of TSN 1150 calls the Tie Cats games and co-host of Marshall on TSN 1150. And then Belton Johnson to break down the West semifinal. He played for the Rough Riders. He covers them on Regina Radio. Oh, Belton's one of my favorite guys of all time. And then we're going to also go over some CFL fantasy tips. Like this time, if you're playing DraftKings CFL, if you're in the TSN CFL fantasy game, there's only two two games, and that's where it gets really tough. You only have four teams to choose from. Ben Kramer of Daily Roto is going to help us break it all down. So it's going to be a really fun show. And let's let's go over some of these scenarios for for the East semifinal as far as where these two teams matched up. So the Ticats hosting a home playoff game for the fifth time in six years. Their home playoff record, 27-17. and 17. BC has an 11-23 and 23 road playoff record. The fifth time the BC Lions have crossed over into the East Division. Last time they did it was 2014. And when you look at uh, the last time they played in the East Semifinal, it came in 2009 where the Lions defeated the Tiger Cats 34-27. to 27. Two teams met twice this season in back-to-back weeks. Week 15, BC completed a comeback to beat Hamilton 35-32. That was in Vancouver. Following week, Hamilton split the series, taking down the Lions in a big way. Remember that statement game? 42-10 Ticats were winners in that one. The two teams met in the 73rd Grey Cup in Montreal in 1985. The Lions were victorious there. So that's the East Final. When you look at the Blue Bombers and Saskatchewan Rough Riders, the two rivals, but the Banjo Bowl rivals. It was uh, This is the first time Saskatchewan has hosted a home playoff game since 2013 and will be the first playoff game at the new Mosaic Stadium. So, you know, it doesn't matter what the weather is, right? It doesn't matter what the weather is in, in Regina. The Rough Rider fans are going to be coming out, and they're going to be raucous. Saskatchewan, 23-26-1 and one home record in the playoffs. And uh, Winnipeg's road record in the postseason, 21-32. and 32. Last time these two teams met in the playoffs was in 2003. So it's been a minute. Saskatchewan went on the road to Winnipeg. They were winners, 37 to 21 and in the regular season they battled three times so remember that was the back-to-back right you had week 12 rough riders won at home 31 to 23 week 13 saskatchewan swept the home and home series 32 to 27 and in the final matchup winnipeg got some revenge in a big way pitching a shutout 31 nothing that was that investors group field over the Rough Riders in Week 18. So there you go. There are a lot of storylines to go through. But we, you know what? There's a lot of news and notes. Let's get to three downs. 
It's time for Three Downs on CFL Weekly with Andy McNamara, bringing you inside the largest headlines around the Canadian Football League. First down. All right, and first down, coaching changes and uncertainty for two teams not in the CFL playoffs. TSN CFL insider Dave Naylor joined the Jay and Dan show, first explaining why Mark Tressman may have been fired as the Argonauts head coach just one year after winning the Grey Cup. The Argos lost nine of their final ten games, and they finished with the worst record in the CFL, which ordinarily could get a coach fired. But as you said, a coach who held in as high esteem as Mark Trussman, certainly when he came to the Argonauts, winning the Grey Cup in year number one. Bill Manning, the Argos president, used the word misalignment three times during his news conference, suggesting that maybe the personnel side and the coaching side weren't in agreement on all matters. Now, I have reason to believe Mark Trussman may uh, dispute that version of events, but here's what I would say in my experience covering sports. When you see a coach who's had that much success, have one down year and then is dismissed, somebody's not getting along with somebody behind the scenes. And I think that's the case with the Toronto Argonauts. Uh, Dave, I think that's very well said. Meanwhile, uh, Jason Moss might be in trouble in Edmonton. Do you see him surviving there? And second part to that Edmonton question, Dave, Mike Riley headlining that impressive free agent class of QBs. He was very frustrated at the end of the season. Is there a chance he ends up somewhere else? Well, it's funny because Mike Riley gave a season-ending endorsement to Jason Moss. And if the Edmonton Eskimos do want Mike Riley back, uh, certainly he made it sound like they would have a better chance if Jason Moss is back. Moss signed an extension in the spring through 2020. It's pretty rare in the CFL that he would fire a coach with two years left on his contract. So my sense, and this is just an an answer, I think Jason Moss will be back. Now, in terms of Mike Riley, uh, you're right, the free agent class, Bo Levi Mitchell, Trevor Harris, Zach Caleros, it's quite a quarterback year. Mike Riley, of course, started his career with the BC Lions. Uh, It was Ed Hervey, as, as general manager of the Edmonton Eskimos, that brought him to Edmonton. Ed is now the GM in BC, and Mike Riley's off season home is Seattle. So a lot of things potentially line up for Mike Riley to go to Vancouver, and I wouldn't be surprised if that happens. Boy, some fascinating possibilities in the offseason for possible quarterback movement. We'll dive into that deeper over the next couple of weeks here on CFL Weekly. Let's move on. Second down. Well, the roller coaster first CFL season for Johnny Manziel has come to an end. It began in Hamilton, some traded to Montreal, where he struggled, got injured, got the starting job back, and showed gradual improvement. In Manziel's season-closing press conference, he spoke glowingly of the Alouettes and his desire to return in 2019. Dave Naylor puts a bow on Johnny's year. Look, one thing we've learned about Johnny Manziel, in his first year in the CFL, he didn't set any records, but he did lead the league in one category, drama. There was all kinds of drama around Johnny Manziel. Unpredictability. Look, he'll be back in the CFL, but will he be back in Montreal? I'm not 100%. I think one thing we've learned is that it's really hard to predict. I I think the Argonauts could have an interest if they were willing to trade him. Uh, So, look. I'll say 75% chance he's back in Montreal, 25% chance he's somewhere else. But with Johnny Manziel in his one year, for a guy who didn't do that much on the field, he sure kept the storylines buzzing. All right, let's go to third down. Third down. 
Well, first and second down covered the non-playoff team storylines. Now to the postseason. The CFL and TSN panel led by Rod Smith gives a breakdown and prediction for the two semifinals. Hamilton Tiger Cats host the crossover BC Lions in the East Semis, while the Saskatchewan Rough Riders welcome in the Winnipeg Blue Bombers in the West Semis. Both games go on Sunday on TSN. As I introduce Davis Sanchez, Milt Stegall, and Henry Burris, I'm getting kind of weepy-eyed. Not really. Because <laughs> I want to look ahead to the playoffs anyway, Chez. Who's going to win that West Semi between the Bombers and the Riders? Uh, nobody's playing better football right now than the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, all three phases. But I just, the home, a home what? game at Mosaic, I got to go Riders just for the oh. fact uh, they have home field advantage. I'm going to be field. a homer. I got to go with my former team, the Blue <laughs> Bombers. They're feeling it, and I know they're playing in a hostile environment. I just don't know if Zach Kalaris is going to be able to provide enough offense going against this hot Winnipeg Blue Bomber team. Oh, well, his, with his uncertainty, that being Zach Kalaris with his injury, I mean, he's probably only one hit away, but I know they're going to do everything they can to Saskatchewan to protect him, but it won't be enough because in the playoffs, it's about the running game, defense, and special teams, and that's all an A-plus for the Winnipeg yeah. Blue Bombers. Yeah, Riders won Labor Day. They won the Banjo Bowl, but 31 nothing. they lost to the Bombers uh, the last time they met. Okay, Milt, how about the so-called East Semi with BC crossing over? <laughs> well, it, it's hard to <laughs> say that it's only one player affects an entire team, especially when it's not a quarterback, but that one player being Speedy Banks not being in there, I don't think they have enough firepower to play with the BC Lions. I'm going with the BC ooh, Lions. Yeah. Ooh, slow down there, Milt, huh. slow down there, but it's all about the it's all about the donut box in this game because mm. they're going to be up eating their donuts, drinking their coffee, and the one thing is Hamilton's <laughs> going to represent at home. They've rested their guys. Even though uh, I feel yeah. BC has an advantage with Travis Ule under center, I just think Jeremiah Masoli in the game is going to come out and prove it's everybody the, wrong I'm and find you. a way to get this done by hook or by crook. Yeah, it's the rest. For me, the travel, the BC's got to go in this Eastern semifinal from the Pacific Ocean all the way to the donut box and play the Ticats. The Ticats got a chance to rest some guys. That's the big issue. Home game, rested. I got the Ticats. Drinking their coffee, Henry? Drinking their coffee? <laughs> And our poll question, our Domino's Canada poll question at Andy MC. Do you want to, by the way, folks, perfect football food, Domino's pizza. Go get yourself some Sunday pizza or boneless chicken or marble cookie brownie or all of it. Pop a side dishes. Check it all out at dominoes.ca. Great for football, sports, anytime food, dominoes.ca. That's dominoes.ca. Poll question is this. What combo of teams advances to the CFL Divisional Finals? Again, you can vote at AndyMC81 in our Domino's Pizza Twitter poll. Is it BC and Winnipeg, Hamilton and Saskatchewan? BC and Saskatchewan or Winnipeg and Hamilton. So what combo of team advances to the CFL divisional finals? You can vote at AndyMC81. Let's step aside after the break. It'll be Marshall Ferguson from TSN 1150 Hamilton to go over Ticats and the Lions East semifinals. We roll on next here on CFL Weekly across the TSN radio network. Hungry? Domino's has you covered. Grab any medium feast pizza for only $10.99 or dive into our delivery and carryout specials at dominoes.ca. Domino's is more than just pizza. Try our delicious side dishes like pasta and chicken wings and don't forget our irresistible marbled cookie brownie for dessert. Perfect food for the big game if you're in a hurry or just because. Check out all the great deals at dominoes.ca. That's dominoes.ca. Welcome back to CFL Weekly across Canada on the TSN Radio Network. I'm Andy McNamara on Twitter at AndyMC81, Instagram at AndyMC Sports. Well, it's time to get into these two matchups. 
East semifinals. First, Belton Johnson covers the Rough Riders. Will join me in the following segment to go over the West semis, and then we'll get into some CFL fantasy tips with Ben Kramer a little bit later on. But joining me now, play-by-play man for the Hamilton Ticats and co-host of Martian Mellow, weekday 6 to 9 a.m. on TSN 1150 Hamilton, it is Marshall Ferguson. Marshall, we are finally here. The playoffs. There's no more wondering about seeding, who's going to do what and where. It's final. The BC Lions into Hamilton taking on the Ticats this Sunday, 1 o'clock. And I don't know about you, but if, if you had to pick any of the West teams to cross over, Nothing against the BC Lions. I think they're a fine team. But this is the one I would have picked if I was a Ticats fan. How do you feel about the matchup and Hamilton's chances overall? I completely 100% agree, Andy. I, at the start of this whole kind of process where we started weeding out teams and starting to get a sense for where the seedings were going to land every matchup, I looked at it and I thought, Winnipeg is terrifying. Like <laughs> Winnipeg oh, yeah. towards the back end of the season, <laughs> the way that they played in all three phases, I just thought that they were such a well-rounded football team that – I, I really don't think they would have matched up well with the Ticats on the, on the Hamilton side of things. So I think Hamilton has to be thankful uh, that they avoided the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. And then when it comes to uh, the other matchups that were possible, obviously Edmonton was a possibility. I just, in Mike Riley in a one-game situation, regardless of what you think of the way that that team played this year, I'd rather go up against Travis Lule than Mike Riley. And again, like you say, that's not a shot against Travis Lule. He's a damn good quarterback, but Mike Riley in a single-game situation, is just a warrior that I think I'd be afraid to play against. So, yeah, BC's got to be it if you're a Ticats fan. And, and now they've got that matchup, and now I guess it's the job of the Tiger Cats to take advantage of it. That's right. And, and you know what? We're not going to look ahead too much here. But I was just, before jumping on with you, I was thinking, okay, I like this matchup for Hamilton. Let's say they get past the BC Lions. Then you play Ottawa, a team they know very well, a team yeah. they can beat. Like, man, like we go, you got to temper expectations, you know, hold down the, the excitement. But, Marsh, this, this Ticat team, uh, the, the, the street is there to lead to the Grey Cup. Yeah, absolutely. And I would also say this, Andy, like I've looked at it from, from every angle because as much as I call the Ticats games and as much as I'm around them every day, I believe that the BC Lions have the potential to be the first team that can cross over and actually make it all the way to the Grey Cup and have an all-West Grey Cup. With that being said, I also believe that if the Winnipeg Blue Bombers can get through Saskatchewan on the road, they might have the ability to go against Calgary in Calgary and beat them in their own place in a West Final. Wow. I don't think I've covered a, te- a playoff like this where you can see every single possibility, every single storyline, and you can say, okay, Ottawa, yep, they might be ready. But if they're not ready, then whether it's Hamilton or if it's BC that comes out of there, if Ottawa doesn't take that next step, then you're looking at either Hamilton or BC possibly being in the Great Cup, or maybe Hamilton doesn't take that jump and they're not ready and the injuries hurt them too much and BC goes on to win and then Ottawa gets the best of BC. I could see Ottawa in the Great Cup. I could see Calgary returning to their dominant form like they did last year after they lost three games straight to end the regular season. I think that's what makes this year's playoffs so fun and so unique based on when I've been covering the CFL at least and since I've been around Canadian football, is you can make a case not just for the fun of it, not just for the narrative, you can legitimately make a case for every team winning the Grey Cup this year. And that's a strange feeling, but that kind of speaks to the parity that we dealt with all regular season long. And I think that's why I'm so excited about not just this Sunday, but next Sunday as well, because these next two weeks, I have absolutely no idea what's going to happen. And it's going to come down to who makes a couple of right plays, who makes the right decisions on when to challenge, when to throw the ball out of bounds, when to, when to decide to kick the football, when to decide to go for it on third and short. All the little things that make up football games, there's so many minute details that are going to come together and actually decide these things. 
And that's what's so unique. And you're you're so right with these playoffs. But even the last couple of weeks, usually you go back and maybe okay, maybe the crossover is gonna has still to be decided. Whatever. But you you, you pretty much know what's going to be happening with the last few weeks of the season. This week it came down. We didn't know if Calgary was going to be finishing in first place, right? Like it's that yeah. it was that close. It was that exciting. And so to your point, it is totally unpredictable, which makes this if if playoff CFL football wasn't must watch to begin with. You, you're right. Like you can't, you can make an argument for every scenario, and you can't really predict because for the BC Lions, I think Marsha, a little bit, you might have to look into the intangibles of this, and it's something you can't gauge by touchdowns or yards. The Wally yeah. Bono factor, right? Last game, does that mean anything to that team? Does it, is it win one more for Wally? Is that a thing with them? Like that's that might be a little bit of an X factor. I think that that legitimately has an influence on the way that they play. And the reason that I think that stands out for me with this specific roster more than it would if Wally Bono was coaching the Saskatchewan Rough Riders roster or the Tiger Cats roster is, man, Lou, Travis Lule should have been passed by so many times by that organization. And they've showed so much faith and so much belief in him to bounce back from injury after injury that I look at this as being Jonathan Jennings was supposed to be the guy. We all know that Wally... And the organization wanted Jonathan Jennings to step in for Travis Lule, and Travis was going to be the good soldier and the backup quarterback, and he wasn't going to take that spot back, and he was going to kind of fade into the distance and be remembered for the 2011 Great Cup and the way that he grabbed that team by the neck and dragged them all the way to a championship playing at home in BC Place in 2011. And now I'm looking at it, and I'm like, Travis Lule has been handed back the reins, almost not as a gift, but out of reasoning that Jonathan Jennings just wasn't good enough but now Lule is almost reciprocating that belief that Travis Lule is reciprocating the belief that Wally Buono has put into him to be his starter again. And he's trying to drag the rest of the roster towards getting an opportunity to be in the Grey Cup. Then Ed Hervey comes out of nowhere from Edmonton and he adds a couple of pieces on the D-line and he gets them a running game with Tyrell Sutton to go alongside Jeremiah Johnson. With, again, it, it surrounding that around Travis Lule allows Lule to be more effective, allows him to play off play action a little bit more. So, that whole situation in BC, there's a lot of different factors that go into it, but I think a lot of it, it kind of goes around exactly what you're saying, which is BC is trying to take this big swing at the can in a crossover situation because it is Wally's last ride and because they know that they do have pieces in-house in a one-year run to try and make an upset. And the great thing about the CFL playoffs is you don't have to be the best team all year long to be crowned a great cup champion. You don't even have to be the best team in the entirety of the playoffs. Hell, you don't even have to be the best team in just the Great Cup game. The Argos proved that last year. They got three big plays, right? It was a Cassius Vaughn fumble return. It was a DeVere Posey 100-yard huh. touchdown. Yep. And it was a Matt Black interception at the end. The Argos got three big plays. The rest of the game, they were wildly outplayed by the Calgary Stampeders. But we will forever remember them as the 2017 Toronto Argonauts champions of the Canadian Football League. So for Wally Buono, I think he's looking at it and he's saying, okay, I've got a running game. I've got a pass rush. I've got a good linebacker core. I've got a defense that can force turnovers on the back end, and I've got a veteran quarterback. He must be sitting in his office right now going, I've got as good a chance as anybody. I don't care about the crossover. He might even be happy that he's crossing over because then he doesn't have to go through that crazy run that's going to be the West. Yeah. Wow. In conversation with Marshall Ferguson, play-by-play voice of the Hamilton Ticats, co-host of Marsh and Mellow, weekdays 6 to 9 on TSN 1150 Hamilton. Let's stick with the BC Lions one more moment, then we'll jump over to the, the Ticats, of course, here. And and with that Lions team, and you, you mentioned it, that, that group that's put together, and with Travis Lule 
and the pieces now around him. It's that great term, complementary football. And in a perfect world, every team has it because then you can't stack the box if you're just a running team or you can't just drop everybody back if you're a throwing team. And that's where kind of the BC lines were, were in a bit of a muddle earlier in the year. But now truly you have a guy in Travis Lule who's proven in the league he can throw for 350 yards and four touchdowns or he can just kind of pick you apart and hand the ball off. How dangerous do you think that is versus this Hamilton's defense? I think the big part of the BC Lions push to get into the playoffs and, and make this crossover spot was Tyrell Sutton being a part of this this running attack because as soon as he came over and they started using Jeremiah Johnson in a bunch of different variety of routes and, and combinations, whether it was in the backfield or as a kick returner or using literally out of the backfield as a pass catcher once in a while in a two-back set, once they started doing that, I felt like the flow and the tempo of that offense changed. And if you see how BC went into Calgary at the back end of the regular season and got a win, that was how they did it was with the running game. Lule was not spectacular in that game, and he didn't have to be. And that, to me, opened my eyes to not only what the Calgary Stampeders were going through in terms of struggling in the back end of the regular season, but also for the BC Lions, what is their formula? Because every team has a formula to try and win. For the Tiger Cats, It's been explosive passing and getting a high volume of attempts out. For the Ottawa Red Blacks, it's the tempo at which they play. For the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, it's a steady dose of Andrew Harris and the odd shot play over the top to Darvin Adams and using Weston Dressel underneath. For Saskatchewan, it's defense and special teams, and they just need their offense to not turn the football over. Like Every team has a thing they need to do, and I was like, what is BC's thing? How do they want to win games? And then, in turn, that makes you understand... What should the team that's playing against BC try to take away? Because I've seen all year long what teams try to take away from the Hamilton Tiger Cats, and that's just their pocket. And they just try to collapse your pocket because if Jeremiah has to get it on the roll, yeah, he's pretty accurate, but he also might throw you up one, and he might give you an interception. So for BC, I I think I learned from that Calgary game, the thing they want to do is run the ball effectively, especially on first down to keep themselves ahead of the down and distance, play that complimentary football that you talk about, and then once in a while get a big play from Devere Posey because we all saw that game he had against Edmonton the back end of the regular season as well. So I think that's their formula. Whether or not they can continue that against Hamilton, that's the fun part because you've got this unique stylistic matchup where you've got a team that loves to throw the football a whole bunch that's trying to find answers with all those receivers that are injured and out in Hamilton alongside a team with Terrell Sutton coming in that just wants to beat you up in a bunch of different ways. So let's move. To the Hamilton Tiger Cats, Marshall, and you touched on all the injuries, the overcoming. You're around this team every day. What's the mindset, the feel in the locker room? Because everyone's going to say the right things to the media. Okay, hey, next man up. We're going to pull together, yada, yada. But, yeah, but yeah. from what you, from being around these guys, do you feel they have what it takes to overcome the pieces, enough pieces still left on both sides of the ball to overtake the BC lines? How, where are they at? They absolutely have the pieces to be able to do it in terms of the personnel. The mindset, I think, is what's so intriguing about the Hamilton Tiger Cats right now because they're trying to convince themselves that they're good, right? It's almost mm-hmm. like when you, you roll your ankle and you're at the, the fifth kilometer of a 20-kilometer race and you just say to yourself, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good, I'm going to be okay, I'm going to be okay, I'm going to be okay. And you try to will yourself towards that yeah. 20K mark and you're trying to do it because you know that if you just decide, ah, you know what, I hurt my ankle too much, Your race is over and you don't get to go racing again because you'll just lose and the playoffs will be over and you'll be at home watching somebody else play in the East Final in Ottawa. So I think they're trying to convince themselves right now. That's the sense and the vibe that I get about the team is if they tell themselves enough, if they have enough self-belief that they can actually get it done, maybe they'll be actually able to get it done. And I, I don't know if they have full confidence, but they're certainly saying the right things and they certainly seem to be trying to convince themselves of that. I'll also say this, that belief, I think, comes from Jeremiah Masoli because 
it's not just the stats that he's put up. There's, there's one marquee moment that I will take away from the 2018 season. It actually came in week number 15 against the BC Lions, where we were on the road in Vancouver. And that was a crazy game. It was the back end of a three-game set, the triple header Super Saturday on TSN. And you ended up having the Tiger Cats up by eight points with about 50 seconds left. And we all know Jonathan Jennings drives the length of the field, throws this miraculous touchdown to Brian Burnham. And then the two-point conversion goes into the short corner. Burnham catches it. Or did he? Gets reviewed. (laughs) They confirm that it is indeed a successful two-point conversion, which then sends the game to overtime with time expired. And the CFL and TSN cameras did a great job because they panned directly to the Ticats sideline. And they found Jeremiah Masoli. And he was standing there just as stunned as everybody else by himself shaking his head. And then you can't see what Jeremiah is looking at because the camera's focused right on him. But I'm pretty sure he saw somebody shake their head or drop their head or say something that he didn't like. And you can just see this wave of anger wash over him where all of a sudden you, it's, it's very rare, Andy, that you could literally see the competitive juices in somebody start flowing out of their pores. And I think <laughs> in that moment, Jeremiah just started screaming at his teammates to wake themselves up and get ready for overtime. And a couple of years ago, you know this from being around the Ticats too, that was not Jeremiah. Like That no. was not a thing that he was ever going to do. He wasn't that leader of men. He wasn't that, that dominator of the huddle where he was in command and you better listen to him. And he was not that guy. He just it wasn't in his personality when he was here early on in Hamilton. So that moment to me sticks out because that everything that I'm talking about with them trying to convince themselves that they're actually ready to go and that they can actually do this thing this year, it's coming from that spirit. It's coming from that moment. I think Jeremiah has instilled that a lot in his teammates. And they're going to need that, and his development over the past few years and into this year has been remarkable. Uh, Marsh, thank you so much, buddy. Enjoy the call, and it's going to be a fun weekend, man. Have a good time. (laughs) Thank you, Andy. I appreciate it. Have fun. There he goes, Marshall Ferguson of TSN 1150 Hamilton. All right, we will take the break and get a West semifinal view from Belton Johnson, former CFL player with the Rough Riders, former NFLer, covers the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Whoa. Blue Bombers Riders. How good is that game going to be? We'll go over that next with Belton Johnson right here on CFL Weekly. We keep rolling along here on CFL Weekly Playoff Edition on PSN Radio across Canada. I am Andy McNamara. Get me on Twitter at AndyMC81, Instagram at AndyMCSports. If you miss any of the show, just go to your local TSN radio station website under the show section or on iTunes. You can get us on iHeartRadio. And again, I'll have it tweeted out at AndyMC81 so you can get your full playoff prediction there. And folks, we're delivered by Domino's Playoff Time. Two games on Sunday. Perfect football food. Go get yourself some Domino's Pizza, baby. Go. You can get a medium feast pizza loaded with fresh toppings for just $10.99. They got larges. They got different sizes, party packages, pop, cheesy bread, uh, marbled cookie brownie for dessert. If you haven't tried the pasta or boneless chicken, do yourself a favor. Get it. Make a day of it. Perfect football food or anytime food. Domino's.ca. That's Domino's.ca. All right. We already talked about the East semis. Let's go to the West semis. Winnipeg into Saskatchewan, and I bring on Belton Johnson. He's a former CFL player with the Riders, played in the NFL for three seasons. He's an analyst now for the Rough Riders for Green Zone on CJME and CKOM Radio. It is Belton Johnson. 
Belton, over the years, you've been one of my favorite guys to chat with. You bring so much energy and insight. Being a 10-year pro football veteran, seven in the CFL, three in the NFL, now working uh, with the Rough Riders on the Green Zone, CJME, CKOM on the radio side. Belton, though, last time we spoke, earlier in the season, we were talking about how hot Chris Jones' seat was as a head coach. Uh, Things have changed a little bit, haven't they? (laughs) <laughs> oh, it, it changed just like the weather's changed here in uh, Saskatchewan. It's cooled down dramatically. Mm. So he's uh, he's definitely out of the hot seat. And, you know, Chris Jones, I, I got to applaud the man. You know, he, you know doesn't, uh, he doesn't sugarcoat anything. He just does what he feels is right. He's the head coach. It's his way or the highway. And now you're looking at him as a possible coach of the year. Wow. Who would have thought that? Like, like Belton, if we look back, it was the Jerron Carter fiasco. Why aren't you using him as a weapon for your, your inexperienced quarterbacks? What are you doing? He's on here. It, like, bizarre moves. It's like, okay, he's going to be gone. And then somehow, some way, it worked. And I, I can't really explain why. Can you give, give us any sort of insight of, of how you think he was able to climb out of that hole, which at, at one point looked like he was going to be gone? Well, you know, I know a bunch of the players that are on the team, and, you know, I think I told you last time, they absolutely love him. Uh, He's a guy I think, you know, if I was still playing, he would be a guy that I would want to play for because he puts the fear of God in you. And uh, with these guys, they really do love him. Uh, And you're you're seeing that it's just – it was just a matter of getting a win or, you know, and once you start getting that win, things get contagious and – you keep winning, you keep winning. And not only did he uh, win, but he won against Western opponents, which I don't, at the time, I think he, you know, was like 3-15 and 15 or something mm-hmm. like that versus the West. Well, how, how else did they lock up second place in the West by beating Western opponents? And they done it, and uh, it's the defense. So as that defense is absolutely amazing. I think it's the best uh, defense in the CFL. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. And I'm looking at the standings here. If you can believe it, Belton, they are the only team in the West Division to be above 500 in the division. Seven and three. The next best, Calgary and Edmonton tied at five and five. Seven and three against that West. That's sick. Yeah, and I'm telling you, it's, I don't know how or what he said, but uh, <laughs> I would have loved to be a fly in that room when he said it because... The guys, they did respond 100%. And, uh, you know, the offense, I still worry about the offense. Mm-hmm. Uh, but special teams and the defense has been the bread and butter this season. Uh, the defense, special teams have probably scored about the same amount of points as the offense, if not more, this season. Wow. wow. And and that's that's been one of the, the very interesting and fun things to watch about this team is they found – different ways to win it seemed like almost every week if the offense was flat all right mm-hmm. the defense got a couple pick sixes or or special teams would run a couple back or sometimes in the same game both and it was it was just they just clawed and found a way to win does that go to your point of just everybody buying into chris jones and just a complete team buy-in of the system because man it would have been easy for a lot of guys to check out mentally and and I'm sure it does go into that. And, you know, when they hit that little skid, you know, everybody in Rider Nation, you know, up and on, got the pitchforks, get them out, mm-hmm. get them out. And, and you know, Jones rallied his troops. And I'm sure it must have been that, you know, us against 
them or the world type of mentality that kind of saw this team through. And once they got, you know, through the storm and everything and, you know, the guys, you know, just playing together for a number of games, creating that chemistry and, you know, knowing what each other is going to do on any given play, whether offense, defense, or special teams, you know, they were able to work together and, you know, they're kind of bonded or have bonded as a, a family. And that's that's what I want to see, uh, you know, especially heading into the playoffs because, you know, they got a big game coming up uh, this weekend versus the Bombers, who, oh, yeah. who's also a very high team. No kidding. In conversation with Belton Johnson, 10-year football pro, NFL, CFL, Riders Alumni Association. He's a VP there and, of course, analyst on The Green Zone, C-J-M-E-C-K-O-M Radio. You can get him on Twitter. And I say it every time we talk, brother. <laughs> Best Twitter handle in the biz, baby, at BJizzle56, a must-follow for Belton. Now, let's let's talk about, uh, before we get to the Bombers, I want to just uh, go over the, the offense of the Rough Riders, because you touched on it. It has been a, a roller coaster, and mainly in the dip section of the roller coaster, because you've had uh, Zach Caleros in and out. He's flashed, and he's got injured. Where are we at quarterback-wise? offense-wise going into this West semifinal against Winnipeg? How how confident are you in this offense that they can produce some points? Well, I'm, I, I can't sugarcoat it to you, Andy. I, I will not lie to you. I'm not confident in the <laughs> offense at all. Uh, just, you know, they are what they are. You know, mm-hmm. they've been like this since the, the preseason, and they haven't done a whole lot. I think maybe two games this year you can say the offense did something. And and by doing something, you know, some of the games they've been able to move the ball and where you allow that defense to rest. Uh, and I've always been one that I would prefer the defense. I don't feel, you know, if it's a, you know, if the Riders had the lead, you know, 20, or let's say if they were losing 19 to 20, I would rather have the defense out on the field mm. knowing and expecting that the defense could score before that offense. But, uh, you know, Calaris does give the Ryder offense the best chance to win. And, uh, you know, he he does have a winning record. Uh, and, you know, with the backup quarterback, uh, Bridge, you know, they they brought in Drew Tate <laughs> this, yeah. uh, this week, which to me shows that you have zero confidence in Bridge. And, you know, you've seen the games he's played this year. He hasn't looked the best at all compared to last season. And, you know, you have to have that insurance policy for a quarterback in case a concussion-prone uh, quarterback like Calaris were to get hit awkwardly this weekend versus the Bombers. Against a very tough defense. And I, I'm, I'm a Zach Caleros fan. We've had him on behind mm-hmm. the helmet on, on CFL Weekly. Um, I, this could be something, and, and I – I wouldn't be surprised if we saw maybe one time the old dog turn it back and 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 turn up that offense maybe maybe one more time to see at least at least you have the confidence to be able to do that with a quarterback like Zach Calero. So we'll we'll see. Um, but let's go to the Blue Bombers here and Belton. When Ooh. when you look at that team, that's another team early in the season. Mike O'Shea, people were maybe not as hot as seat as Chris Jones, but people saying eh, I don't know. Matt Nichols calling out the fans. The turmoil, yeah. like they these are two teams that probably have overcome the most this season. Tell me your thoughts about the Blue Bombers as they match up against Saskatchewan. I think the Bombers match up very well against uh, Saskatchewan. Uh, you know, even in my power rankings, I've you know they. They've been up there at number one, and 
the reason I've had them at number one is because, you know, they were on a five-game win streak. Uh, they absolutely annihilated the uh, Riders, what, 31-0 to zero, yeah. uh, a few weeks back. And, you know, they, they turned their season around since that loss to the Riders in the Banjo Bowl where they did win five straight. So, um, you know, with Matt Nichols, you know, good for them to stay the course, keeping him in at quarterback. They do have a very capable backup quarterback in Strebler who can run the ball like no other. Mm -hmm. Their defense is one of the top defenses led by Adam Big Hill right there in the middle. Their offensive line actually got healthy after that lost the banjo bowl because Hardrick, the right tackle, he was inserted back into the lineup from an injury after that uh, banjo bowl loss to the Riders. And that chemistry on the O line, you got Andrew Harris, the running back. They're they're good on at all three special teams, defense, and the offense. Whereas to me, the Riders, they're good at defense and special teams, and so so on offense. So <laughs> I, I I have to get an edge to the Bombers in this one. And you know what? The interesting thing though is we know how crazy that Saskatchewan crowd can be. So maybe that can be the thing to maybe even things out just a little bit there. That's going to be a ton of fun. Playoffs in Regina. Are you kidding me? With the weather getting cold, baby? That is, that's perfect CFL football. I can't wait to watch that one. From inside, of course. Oh, I, oh, <laughs> I can't wait to watch it either. I'll definitely be in, indoor in the Ryder Alumni Live <laughs> at the stadium. <laughs> It'll be a good one because, um, you know, I know the fans, they will come out. And oh, yeah. if, if there's a hand that giving the Bombers a loss, it will be the 13th man oh, here in boy. Saskatchewan. That's going to be a ton of fun. Belton, always appreciate the time, man. Enjoy the game. And you know what? If the Rough Riders pull it out, let's get you on again next week. How about that? Sounds like a plan, my man. There he goes, Belton Johnson of the Green Zone. Analyst there on uh, CJME and CKOM in Saskatchewan, a 10-year football pro, three in the NFL, seven in the CFL. Yeah, I, I, listen, I've been interviewing Belton Johnson. I've been doing a, a CFL shows in some capacity, whether it's on TSN or elsewhere, for six, no, you know what, probably seven, seven years, seven years. And I've talked to Belton almost all of them. And he is just one of my favorites, just brings it all the time. We're going to keep bringing it after the break. CFL Fantasy. There's only two games. If you're playing DFS on DraftKings, if you're playing the TSN.ca Fantasy Football game, when there's two games, it is tough. But I got you covered. Daily Roto's Ben Kramer joins me next. We'll go over the CFL side of the playoffs uh, after the break here on CFL Weekly across the TSN Radio Network. to wrap up the East-West semifinal edition of CFL Weekly across the TSN Radio Network. Andy McNamara with you here on Twitter at AndyMC81. Give me a follow on Instagram at AndyMC Sports. Remember, if you missed any of the show, you can go back to your local TSN radio station website under the shows section. You will see it there, or you can get it on iTunes, iHeartRadio, or on Twitter at AndyMC81. I will have it pinned up there for you. So lots of ways to figure it all out. Now, we went over the East semifinal, the West semifinal, but now let's talk about some CFL fantasy. It's a tricky situation. Four teams only, right? The two games, and that's it. To help us break this all down and give us some tips, whether you're playing on DraftKings, whether you're playing on the TSN.ca fantasy side of it, 
there's some intricacies that we got to go through. Ben Kramer of Daily Roto is stopping by right now to help us through all this. Now, Ben, let's begin before we go into how to best set up the lineup of only four teams in two games. Weather plays a factor and the veteran fantasy man or woman plays. You got to keep an eye on the weather forecast in Saskatchewan, which is where you are based. The game out of Regina. Um, you tweeted out from at Benjamin uh, that winter has arrived um, in Saskatchewan. What impact in what is the weather report for, for game day on Sunday? Yeah, it's looking like it's going to be cold and windy. It's going to be one of the cooler playoff games that I've ever been to, kind of daytime highs around minus 8 with winds up there. So generally speaking, once you get to playoff time, once the ball starts to freeze, the passing games can get a little bit more difficult and certainly less efficient than what they've been throughout the regular season. And teams have to rely a little bit more on the ground game to get things rolling and keep drives moving. Well, and overall, I would think that this should benefit the rough riders who let's let's face it the offensive side of the ball all year has been a roller coaster for fantasy purposes tough to trust anybody and the rough rider success has been based primarily on defense and special teams so are you going heavy running back in that game compared to let's say maybe a, a, a Terrell Sutton or a Jeremiah Johnson in the Ticats game yeah, I think as much as I can, I'll probably try and stay away from that Winnipeg and Saskatchewan game on the offensive side of the ball. You've got two pretty good defenses out there, and once the weather turns cold and the balls are tougher to catch, it's going to be tough for anybody to sustain nearly as much on the offensive side of the ball. And yeah, talking about running games, like the Rough Riders are one of only two teams to score more touchdowns on the ground this year than through the air, and that's not really a positive thing in the huh. CFL. So we'll have to see how that turns out for him. Cam Marshall is taking the lion's share of things, and it looks like he's probably going to be the lead back out there with Marcus Sigpen picking up kind of the leftovers. So we'll see, see how things go without Trey Mason in the backfield. So when we go to, let's say this, uh, let's begin in the East for the Hamilton and BC game. If we're looking to slot people in, now the quarterbacks, if we go around kind of the docket here, you got Matt Nichols and Zach Caleros, again, with that weather, as you said, if weather is a factor, could limit the scoring opportunities. And you got Travis Lule, who is coming in at a bargain price on the TSN CFL game, just a, sh- a shade under 6000 But Jeremiah Masoli, we know clearly, is the better fantasy player, but he's d- almost double the price. Uh, are, are you going Mazzoli this week? You know what? I want to see who's going to be those starting receivers for Hamilton to start mm, with. If okay. Stinkfield's in there and Tasker is full go, then you maybe can look at Mazzoli even at that price tag, just given that there's not a lot of great options. Like, you've got Mazzoli projects around 22 points, which is the top, but you can make an argument that without some of those receivers, his efficiency would go down pretty quickly against a BC pass defense. It's one of the strongest in the league. They're a lot weaker on the ground, so I think a lot of what I'd be looking at builds this week is trying to build through Andrew Harris just because of volume, Terrell Sutton, Hamilton's one of the weaker rush defenses out there, mm. and he gets a good volume of carries since he's taken over the workload. He's been down a little bit the last couple weeks, but he's faced the two best rush defenses in the league in Calgary and Saskatchewan, so not too many teams have found a lot of success versus them. Now we should point out as well, on the TSN.ca CFL game, uh, the, the creators of this game have done everybody a favor. Instead of the full lineup having to fill out because of the only the four teams, there's only one, there's one quarterback spot as usual, one running back, one wide receiver, a flex, and a defense. So you're not as pinned down as far as just trying to scramble and pop people in. 
Yeah, roster construction works a little bit differently with a much smaller lineup to build. You don't really have as many outs where you could pay up for one running back and cheap out on the second RB2 slot or something like that. You're really pinned down to just picking your guy at each spot and hoping for the best for the ones that you've chose to dance with. So I think if you're looking for value plays, Matt Nichols is going to be the top value. Mm. Saskatchewan, despite their reputation, actually has given up a well above average amount of touchdowns through the air and a well above average amount of yardage through the air per attempt. So he's really not a bad play, even if he only projects quite a bit lower than Jeremiah Mazzoli. He's given you a whole lot more value for your dollar. And if you're looking at running back, one of the best values that we're going to find this week is Terrell Sutton because he just comes in so much cheaper than those other starters without his projection being that much lower. In conversation with Ben Kramer of Daily Roto on Twitter at Benjamin. So, Ben, when you look at just general strategy in these type of, of games, uh, when you have a limited amount of teams, and as you said, you can't necessarily just load up, is it, is it better to try for the differential points as far as the value ones or go kind of big name guy and who's going to get the most points overall? Like It just seems like a bit of a quandary to try to build a proper lineup. Yeah, it's a little bit of a struggle. It's kind of a funny pricing system in which you have a number of receivers that come in absolute minimum priced at 2500 but the top receivers are absolutely priced through the ceiling at kind of seven and $8,000 plus, which is just terrible value for your money. So you have to try and find a few of those kind of mid-tier price level guys in the four or $5,000 range that will give you a good return for your dollar while still na- staying near to the top of the projections list. Terrell Sinkfield, if he plays, he got eight targets in the game that he started with Jeremiah Mazzoli before this last kind of joker happened versus Montreal, and he's only in there at 5 k So if you can slot him in and stack with Mazzoli and then maybe Terrell Sutton, you're staying away from some of the weather issues in Regina, you're still getting good value for your money and still getting predictions for players that you want in your lineup. Now, does Mike Jones interest you at all? Or I, I, I agree with you. I think there's more upside overall with the playmaking of, um, uh, of Sinkfield there. But Mike Jones has double-digit points the last two weeks. Yeah, he is a boomer bust kind of option, right? Like he's the kind of guy that's going to get eight targets or three targets. And if you get an eight-target game for 5K, then certainly he's a guy who can produce value. But he could just as easily completely disappear, have a two- or three-target game, and no one would really be that surprised. So he's somebody that certainly could produce for you, but you're also taking the chance of getting low single-digit fantasy points as he's done many, many games this season. So if we look at the defensive side of the ball now, we talked about the, the weather in Regina, and then you got the Ticats and the Lions. The, the weather game is interesting because you can get some sloppy football, which yeah. could lead to turnovers, but it could also lead to some weird things happening, and who, who knows? Uh, you said to stay away primarily from that bad weather game. Does that include the defenses? Because you look at the Blue Bomber, 6300 bucks. that's probably the one I would lean towards, but that really limits the rest of your roster. Yeah, I think if you can afford it, either of those Bombers or Riders defenses are the ones that I would want in my lineup this week. Because like you mentioned, sloppy football, bouncing footballs, big wins tend to lead to turnovers. And the Riders have certainly turned turnovers into touchdowns on a regular basis. And on a week like this, where you've only got two games you're looking at, getting a defense that scores a touchdown or two really could make the difference in winning or losing your games this week. 
And Ben, I want to get your vote on our Domino's Canada Twitter poll. Visit dominoes.ca. Perfect football food, folks. Go get yourself a medium-loaded feast pizza for just $10.99. Check out all the carryout and delivery deals at dominoes.ca. So at AndyMC81, pretty simple poll question. But I put out, what combo of teams advances to the CFL Divisional Finals, Ben? So let's get your vote. Is it BC and Winnipeg, Hamilton and Saskatchewan, BC and Saskatchewan, or Winnipeg and Hamilton? Which two teams advance? What combo? I'm probably looking at BC and Saskatchewan coming out of this weekend. I think BC just has a healthier roster overall. Hamilton mm-hmm. is so depleted, and since Brandon Banks went out, that offense isn't the same, and the defense has really not gotten much better as the season's worn on. So I'd put my money on BC winning on the road out of the West. And the Riders, man, that offense is just gross, right? <laughs> and if Zach Caleros doesn't play, then that probably changes things. But if Caleros out there, then probably that defense is good enough that they can win a home game because the riders are pretty tough to beat on home soil especially for winnipeg well ben great stuff as always man you do such great work uh for daily roto people can follow you on twitter at benjamin and we'll uh, be following along and talk to you next week yeah sounds great andy thanks for the time and there he goes ben kramer from daily roto all right folks that'll do it playoff time we are gonna know come sunday night who will be in the East and West Finals. So for producer Sean Lavery, I'm Andy McNamara. You've been listening to CFL Weekly across the TSN radio network. Enjoy the games, folks.